welcome into Navigating the North. It's week three, and I'm back once again. I'm Daniel Plucker, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show here on 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee. You can also see my work over at Mason Brew. I cover a little bit of college football and the Michigan Wolverines. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. This is, again, obviously the third week I've been doing this, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I'm going to keep doing it every week of the season, taking you around the NFC North's action because, frankly, I'm a Lions fan working at a predominantly Packers radio station with a bunch of cheeseheads here in Wisconsin. So I have a little bit of a different perspective than what you might be used to and what you might get from the regular six to six shows that we get here five to six shows that we have on our station 5 a.m to 6 p.m that is starting with ryan horvat in the mornings bart winkler coming up after him and then bill michaels midday and of course the wendy's big show the show with two former packers on it Leroy butler and gary ellerson in the afternoons along with steve sparky pfeiffer and guys let's just get right into it the packers had Such a big win over the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. It was the measuring stick game that we all expected to be, and it was a blast. From start to finish, an incredible football game. It was a joy to watch a game like that in a crazy year like 2020. One of two awesome primetime games this weekend And heading into the week as well with the Monday night football game of the Chiefs and Ravens with those two MVP quarterbacks under the age of 25 and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. But let's get back into the Sunday night matchup. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers versus Drew Brees and the Saints. And of course, Drew Brees a little bit older and you could kind of see that throughout the game. He had a lot of dump offs to Alvin Kamara, his running back. And Kamara, at times, made the Packers' defense look silly. Like, just straight-up silly. They were missing tackles left and right. Matt LaFleur said today in a press conference that they had 13 missed tackles in the game. And five of them came on one play against Alvin Kamara. That screen pass that he took all the way into the end zone for a touchdown. That should have been a tackle for loss if it were not for a missed tackle by Will Redman, uh, the first of five that play, like I said, it was an embarrassment. But overall, a pretty strong performance from Green Bay, and it was a showing finally of what this team can be. Because, I mean, victories over the Vikings and the Lions, that's not really going to tell you much about a football team. Because, to be honest, neither of those teams are probably going to to make any sort of a playoff run this year. The Lions maybe have a chance. The Vikings, I'll get into a little bit later. I'm completely out on the Vikings at this point. But back to this game, back to the Packers. The offense is clicking. It looks so good. Matt LaFleur has been, as David Bakhtiari put it today, I'm coming at you on a Tuesday on the Wendy's Big Show. That's when he joins us weekdays every Tuesday from 435, David Bakhtiari. He said, Matt LaFleur's play calling has been fire. And that's just the best way of putting it. He has the hot hand. He has been incredible. You can check out some of his offensive plays on my Twitter page, at Dan on the fan. That's easy to remember, at Dan on the fan. I've done a couple film breakdowns of some of the plays that we saw on Sunday's win. And Aaron Rodgers, once again, a great performance, three touchdowns, 280-some yards, I believe. 
fantastic performance from him again. He's in the hunt of that MVP race. No, and with thanks, I should say, to his offensive line, who through three games has allowed no sacks and no quarterback hits. And four of the five starting offensive linemen for the Packers have a top eight grade from PFF. Other than the right tackle, that's a little bit iffy still. But between Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, and uh, Lucas Patrick, they have been the best offensive line in the league to this point, without a doubt. And it's showing on the scoreboard. The Packers have scored, they scored 43 points in week one against the Vikings, 42 in week two against the Lions, and then 37 on Sunday. The Packers scored more than 35 points just one time last season, and that was in a win over a bad Raiders team that was struggling. So let's do the quick math here. That's 122 points in the first three weeks. The last time they got anywhere near that was when they scored 115 points back in 1996, the season where Brett Favre and Leroy Butler led the roster to a Super Bowl. I think that's very telling just of how dynamic this team is and the potential that they have. This is a Super Bowl contending team. Last year, I wouldn't have necessarily said that, and they almost made it there by barely winning a bunch of games and finding a way. And that's just was their way of doing things last year. This year's different. They're blowing everybody out. And it just shows how important an offense is to football. This, the, the NFL is no longer a defensive league. It is now who can outscore the other person. You don't see defenses anymore in the NFL completely shut down a player or a team that doesn't happen to good football teams anymore. Think of it. The chiefs, Ravens, Packers, heck, even the saints, Seattle, the Cowboys, all these teams that most people are going to consider good are putting up big points every week. It's a shootout. The only way that a defense is really reputable at all in the NFL these days is by forcing turnovers. And that hardly happens either. It, it, it's more on the offense and the offense making a mistake than it is the defense forcing it at this point. So everybody's worried about the Green Bay Packers defense right now. And they're worried about playing without Kenny Clark and now without potentially their linebacker Christian Kirksey for several weeks. But everybody's got to relax because this offense is so skilled. And if they put up 35 plus points every single week, it's going to be very difficult to slow down this team for the entire season. This is such a talented football team and such an explosive offense right now that you can almost book them a trip to the playoffs after three weeks of play. That's how good they are. And honestly, I could see it right now saying, unless they run into Seattle for some weird reason, I think that they're probably going to 
go to the championship game and potentially the Super Bowl. That's how talented this team is. And I know the expectation is every year from Packers fans that they're going to make a Super Bowl. But realistically, that's just not plausible, even with the greatest quarterback of this generation and Aaron Rodgers. But this year is different. This year, they are in the top echelon of teams in the NFL. And for people that are saying it's the Buccaneers, Seattle, I see Seattle a little bit more. I see the Chiefs, but I'm not as big on the Buccaneers and some of these other teams in the NFC as other people are. I was big on the Saints. I still am big on the Saints. And with a 37 to 30 win on primetime game on the road, I understand there's no fans. But that was a prove-it game for me, and the Packers did just that, even with all of the defensive struggles that we saw. Because they also did this without their two most influential players from last year. Both defensive lineman Kenny Clark and wide receiver Devontae Adams were out in this game. Both pro bowlers last year, if I remember correctly. And last year, if you did not have Devontae Adams, it probably wasn't going to be going very well. I know they won every game without him. They were 3-0, and but they were a much better football team when Devontae was on the field. And he is Rodgers' number one target. So to take him away from an offense for an entire game playing against one of the better defenses in the NFL in the New Orleans Saints, it's impressive. And For Kenny Clark on the defensive side of the ball, everybody was worried about Kamara running up the middle. They used him more in the passing game since the Saints played without Michael Thomas. But Kingsley Kiki stepped up in the middle, and I know he's not necessarily the run stuffer that Kenny Clark is and has been for his entire career, but he had two sacks in the game. Kiki did. And he filled in admirably. They have to continually see that kind of pressure from the quarterback through him. Also, now with Kirksey out, they need Ty Summers, Oren Burks, Chris Barnes, those sorts of guys to step up. But I tell you what, if there's one team that everybody in the NFC does not want to face right now, it's probably the Green Bay Packers first and Seattle in a close second. Or vice versa. With that being said, this upcoming week, the Packers play a team that really does not want to see them, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. They play on Monday night football coming up a week from yesterday, again, coming at you on a Tuesday. And this is a matchup that is going to be very interesting to see because the Falcons, they realistically should be 2-1, and one, but they can't figure out how to close football games. They have a very explosive offense. They're... I mean, Calvin Ridley looks like he's probably one of the top three, four wide receivers in the NFL right now. And Julio Jones has been playing the last couple of weeks hurt and was actually out this previous week. Russell Gage, another solid option there for Matt Ryan. Their passing attack is something to behold, and it's going to cause a lot of problems for this Packers secondary. They have to maintain their roles and play a good game. This isn't a team that you just sleep on. Even though they're 0-3, even though they haven't had the most impressive start, you don't want to be the team that rightens the ship for them. And the Packers are fully aware of that. They're ready to go. And I see them taking another win home with them on Monday, this upcoming week, starting the season 4-0. And that just has to feel really good.
Packers fans should be very, very excited. Another team who's excited is the Chicago Bears, and we'll talk a little about a little bit about them coming up next here on Navigating the North. Can you believe it? I mean, I sure can't. The Chicago Bears have moved to 3-0 and on the season. The only other undefeated team here in the NFC North. Tied with the Packers for first place. Let's break it down. Let's get into it. I'm Daniel Plucker. Welcome to Navigating the North. Here in the second segment of the show, we already recapped the Packers. Big win over the Saints on Sunday night. Now let's get in. To their arch rival, the Chicago Bears, who just find a way to get it done. They do. They're winning football games. It's not pretty. It sure isn't, but they're finding ways to be a successful football team. Even without a quarterback, even with a second quarterback. Mitch Trubisky was horrible on Sunday. Another very poor performance for the young quarterback that everybody knows was picked before Deshaun Watson and before Patrick Mahomes in the draft that the Bears traded up to select. And it's not been a pretty career for him at this point, and we all know that. And now a new regime has taken over. Nick Foles will be the starting quarterback of the team after mounting a fourth-quarter comeback 20 points in the fourth quarter for the Bears as they came back to beat those aforementioned Falcons on Sunday at noon. I get it. It's not really easy to explain how this team continues to put wins on the board, but they're doing it. It's not pretty, like I said, but it's successful. They have two fourth quarter comebacks this year of more than 20 points. I know it's against the Lions and the Falcons, which are two iffy football teams at best. But I am buying the Chicago Bears. I am. I'm not saying they're better than the Packers. I don't think that that's true. But I think that they have a legitimate opportunity to be a wildcard team this year. And I'll tell you why. I think people forget that just two years ago, 2018, the Bears won the division and they were 12 and 4 with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback and largely the same roster. Last year, they had a bad year. Last year, they were awful. They found ways to lose football games and not win them. But I tell you what, this team reminds me a lot of the Green Bay Packers from last season. It's not pretty. In fact, it's quite ugly. But they're pulling out and winning football games. They are. I can't explain it. I don't know how they're doing it. It doesn't make logistical sense, but it's happening. They're winning football games and now with Nick Foles at the helm I think they're an even better football team Foles looked incredible in the second half of that football game and I think it's because the players believe in him I don't think the players nor the coaching staff really outside of Matt Nagy and maybe a couple members of the front office really believed in Mitch Trubisky I think Nick Foles was brought in to kind of push Trubisky to hope that that ignited something in him and he became a better quarterback. But frankly, that didn't happen. And right now, Nick Foles is the better quarterback and he was making way better throws and throws that Trubisky could not make in the latter portions of that game. 
I mean, outside of the quarterback position and the mess that that kind of is, what's not to like about this football team? They have a stellar defense with a solid secondary, a solid linebacking group, and a a rush of two of the best players in football in Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. They have weapons on the outside. Unfortunately, Tariq Cohen out for the season tore his ACL. Just tragic for that football team and the weapon that he really is. But they still have David Montgomery, who's a who is a quality running back, and then a wide receiving core that is frankly underrated in both the NFC North and in the NFC altogether. Allen Robinson is probably a top 15, top 20 wide receiver. And Anthony Miller is a young up-and-comer in this offense that is going to provide problems for teams that are focusing solely on Allen Robinson. And they also have, what, 25 tight ends? Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, the list goes on and on and on. I don't know. I I see something in this football team. Foles, like I said, seems to be the answer. 188 yards and three touchdowns in the comeback. And I don't think that they're better than the Packers, but I wouldn't be surprised if they took a game from them. I, I... I think that they have the potential to continue to grow with Foles, who, for whatever reason, was not the starter from day one there in Chicago because he should have been. He's won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP and has played well pretty much everywhere that he's gone, other than Jacksonville. And he, the only reason he didn't play well there is because he got hurt. Nick Foles is the future of the team for at least this year and potentially next year as well. And I just got to think that with the talent that they have, they're going to be a problem. This isn't a team that's just going to go away. And now they had to face a team that's also having a pretty good season on Sunday. They play the Indianapolis Colts at noon. The Colts coming off a win over the New York Jets, who are probably the worst team in football. Their defense had two pick sixes, the Colts did. And talk about another young, up-and-coming team. I like the Colts a lot as well. This is going to be a really fascinating football game where I think the Bears continue to win. Even if they find themselves down 20 or 28 points. I think I think that they have a legitimate shot. You can't come count them out of games. Sure, again, it's the Lions and Falcons that they've come up, come back against. But they're still finding ways to go back to Chicago or to be in Chicago and win games. That's a dangerous thing because when you get that momentum rolling, it's just going to continue to grow. And that's what this kind of feels like, especially now with that transfer of the quarterback position to Nick Foles. I like them against the Colts on Sunday. I do. I think that they have a better roster. I think they're a better football team than the Colts and a lot of other teams that they're going to end up facing this year. And they have a legitimate shot at the NFC North and at a playoff berth. I believe the Packers are better. Don't get me wrong. I think that the Packers are the class of the NFC. But the Bears are in their shadows. And there's something to watch here going forward. Now let's get to two teams that we don't necessarily want to watch, and I'm not sure if anybody wants to watch. 
And that's the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. We'll break down their games and the Lions winning a game. Yeah, that's next. Welcome back to Navigating the North. I'm Dan Flucker, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show. You can follow me at Dan on the fan on Twitter. And guys, let's get into some more NFC North talk here on Navigating the North. And let's break down the worst team in the division record-wise this year right now, and that is the Minnesota Vikings as they start 0-3 with a pivotal loss to the Tennessee Titans. Now here there is some good news and some bad news for the team out of Minnesota, for the Purple People Eaters. The good news, this was their most complete complete game yet. They kept up with the Titans throughout the entire game, losing on another game-winning field goal from Steven Gotzkowski. And I'll tell you what, that guy can kick till 2090 and still hit 50 yarders for game winners. He's incredible, but this was their most complete game, the Vikings. So that's a positive. Another, they held Tannehill to his first subpar game of the season. Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans quarterback. He had like 300 and something yards, no touchdowns and an interception. And he has been lights out pretty much for the first two weeks of the season. And the defense They're holding their own. I know that I've scrutinized their secondary and their rush for that matter, and maybe their linebacking core as well. But they held the Titans to five field goals, and I know that's not the greatest thing, but they weren't touchdowns. And that's what the important thing is. Holding teams to less points is always going to be a good thing. Another positive, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Dalvin Cook had his first big game of the season, 108 yards 180 yards, excuse me, and on 22 rushes. And another guy took a step up, and that's rookie Justin Jefferson. Exploded his best game of of his young career. Seven receptions, 175 yards. He looked good. There are pieces of this football team that are looking pretty good, and they have a shot to maybe, again, kind of like the Bears, grow upon that. You know, it's not pretty, but they can grow upon it and maybe pull away with a couple of wins coming out here. But here's the bad news. They're in last place in the NFC North behind the putrid Detroit Lions. And Kirk Cousins still is not looking like himself. He threw another two interceptions this week after three last week. He has been an inconsistent quarterback and it's hurting this football team. It really is. He has to find a way to grow without Stephon Diggs and with really a poor offensive line and become the quarterback that he once was if this team wants to be successful. They cannot have this many turnovers in football games. We talked about it. I don't think that the defense is as important in the NFL anymore, and it's all about offense. Well, if your offense is struggling and your quarterback is turning the ball over, throwing five interceptions in two weeks— It's probably not going to help your team or your roster. Another bad thing. The schedule is not going to get any easier from them here, folks. We touched on it last week. They played the Texans, Seahawks, and Falcons in the next three weeks. And the Texans are one and two, I want to say. But they have Deshaun Watson, 
who is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and a pretty solid offense that has the potential to be explosive, has the potential to be a really, really solid Bill O'Brien-led offense. The Seahawks, nothing has to be said there. Obviously, Russell Wilson is the MVP up until this point, along with Aaron Rodgers. Those two, kind of a two-horse race right now. Obviously, a lot of time left to play. And the Falcons, we've already talked about them and their explosive offense against a defense whose secondary is young. I'll put it that way. To make matters even worse, they're going to be ill-prepared for their upcoming game against the Texans because COVID has now struck the NFL and struck the Tennessee Titans, who the Vikings obviously played on Sunday. The Vikings have closed all of their facilities for now, and who knows if they'll be open again before they play on Sunday, which means that all of their prep and all of their training is all virtual for Sunday's game, which the NFL is still adamant on playing. Three players, five staffers for the Titans tested positives. Tested positive so far, none for the Vikings. But it's a potential disaster scenario in a real-life case in a disaster scenario that's happening on the field right now in Minnesota. If they do end up playing, which, again, they expect to, Deshaun Watson and the Texans are waiting Sunday at noon, and I don't like the Vikings' odds of finding a way to win their first football game of the season. Now let's go to Detroit and the Lions, and I don't know how. I can't explain it to you, but they won a football game. They snapped their 0-for-11 streak with a last-second game-winning field goal by Matt Prater, 26 to 23, their first win since November of last year. It was honestly a poor game from both sides. And technically, it was also a fourth quarter comeback for Stafford. Another one notched on the wall for him. He played well, and it should have been more points for Detroit had they not shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, including a huge 50-something yard touchdown pass to Marvin Hall that was called back because of a penalty by an offensive lineman they're paying $10 million to, and he played very poorly. Who didn't play poorly, I guess, was the Lions' defense. Again, I think this is more on Kyler Murray than it was on the Lions' defense actually forcing it, but Murray threw three interceptions, and they really beat themselves. They they had a little Minnesota Vikings syndrome of beating themselves in this football game. The Cardinals are a solid football team. And the fact that the lions gave them their first loss of the season is quite frankly, a little bit embarrassing, but nonetheless, the lions move on. They, they win a game and not only that, but they also have Kenny Galladay back and he scored a touchdown in his very first football game of this season after leading the NFL in touchdowns last year with 11. So there are pieces of this puzzle that are kind of coming a little bit together here for Detroit. But again, they're Detroit. It's just, it's who they are. They have a favorable set schedule going forward. 
playing, I believe it was seven teams, six or seven teams that are below 500 at this point that have one and two starts. But they're the Lions. They're also one and two. They also don't really have a good team that is capable of making a playoff run. I think that Patricia's out. I've said it in the past. I'll say it again. I think Patricia is done. He's probably one of the top two, three worst coaches in the NFL at this point. And now they're going to be playing a Saints team that's PO'd. A Saints team that just lost a game to the Packers that they thought they probably should have won if it weren't for a turnover or two here and there. And it's also looking like Michael Thomas is going to play in that game, and we all know the legitimate threat that he is on every single play and how much better Drew Brees is as a quarterback if he has Michael Thomas on the football field. Of course, Kamara also, as we talked about earlier, coming off one of his biggest games of his career, and I don't like their chances. They're probably going to fall again to one and three. With that being said, I suppose I could be wrong. I mean, they surprised me. I didn't think they were going to beat the Cardinals, and they surely did that. So maybe they'll pull another one out of the hat and win another game on Sunday. That's the great thing about football. You never really know who's going to end up winning the game because it's so hard to win a game in the NFL. And sometimes teams like the Detroit Lions will sneak away with a a game against what is a solid Arizona Cardinals team and what will be a solid New Orleans Saints team. So we'll see. This has been Dan Plucker here on Navigating the North. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's time for me to head out of here. Talk to you next week here on Navigating the North.